Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Welcome to Freedom. If you're this is your first time here, if this is maybe uh, your visitor for the very first time on behalf of the leadership, we're glad that you're here. And we, we're glad that you selected this morning to be here because I've been excited and we've been thinking about the days. I don't know about you, but I've been counting down the days of one of my favorite times of year, and it's Easter. No, it's not because of the marshmallow peeps. It's not even because of the chocolate eggs, though those things are good. But I tell you what, Resurrection Sunday is a powerful Sunday. But everything that leads to that resurrection is powerful in and of itself. You see, it's the time of year that we as believers gather together to remember and celebrate the sacrifice Jesus made for every single one of us. And that's not to be taken lightly, right? We celebrate what Jesus did for us. No, we don't, we don't glory in the fact that he was, he was beaten for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. We celebrate that by his stripes, we are healed. How many are grateful for healing in Jesus? All kinds of healing, physical healing, emotional healing, um, spiritual healing. Some of you have come from different situations in your life, whether it's uh, another church or or a family situation, a financial situation. All these different things have beaten on you. And I want to tell you something. There is healing in Jesus. You can find that in Jesus today. So as I thought it would be fitting for us in the next several weeks, we're going to be spending time leading up to Easter dissecting more of his love because his love is unfailing. His love is never ending. Looking more intently at the passion narrative. Looking at how, of, how it's often called the resurrection Sunday. I like Easter. I like resurrection better. Because it really depicts what happened that day. So I'm going to ask you if you would bow your heads with me for a moment, for a moment as I pray a prayer right now for this whole series and for this morning for every person that's listening, whether you're here or online or on a podcast, I want to pray a prayer over you on behalf of all of us. Let's pray together. Father and Lord, we pray today for, the, for our lives to be set on you. We thank you for setting the example of love for us, all of us, to learn from and to follow. Lord, we thank you for trading your life so that we may have eternal life. Grant us the courage to be more like you, Jesus, humble, obedient, and kind, so that we may have the opportunity to share the gospel with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, the gospel's real clear. If you grew up in church... I don't know, I'm wondering, let's do a poll real quick, because I'm not a person that likes you to raise your hands, but. (laughs) If you grew up in church, raise your hand. If you grew up in church most all your life, come on, raise it high. Pretend you're super Pentecostal, raise it high. 
Okay, some of you waving. That's extra Pentecostal. That's extra anointing. You grew up in church. Okay, put your hands up. How many of you did not, did not grow up in church? Raise your hand. Okay, so there are some of you that did not grow up in church. There was not a thing in the household. I'm kind of in between. I kind of went to church as a kid. I went, I went down the street to the Catholic church. You know, it was my duty to do that. And, you know, God bless it. I fell asleep for 45 minutes, woke up, and then left. That's what I did. You know, that was not a, that was not a, a, a you know, something about the church. It was just me. I, it was my own. That was me. And, and I realized that every one of us in this room, in some way, shape, or form, have a different view of God growing up than maybe we do now today. Is that true? How many of you have a different view of God right now than you did when you grew up, right? Kind of different. And, and what happens is if you grew up in church, chances are you heard the story of Jesus many times. You heard this story and that story and, and some references. And some of you might even say, I know what you're going to preach. Well, good luck with that one. Because maybe some of you today, this is a new narrative, something completely new. I hope that you can walk away this morning saying, wow. I realize there's something that I didn't see before. So I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments in part one of this four-part series. Um, I want to talk to you about being fueled by love. Fueled by love. The next several weeks, we're going to be talking about humble love, perfect love, and unstoppable love. But this first part, this morning, if you have your Bibles, grab it real quickly and hold on to it for a moment because I want to talk about being fueled by love. You see, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he did something very interesting. He paid the penalty for you and for me, and that penalty we can never pay ourselves. You see, when this happened, many of those standing on the cross believe it was the nails that held them to that cross. Can I tell you something today? As we talk about passion, it wasn't the nails. I'm telling you that it wasn't the nails that kept them on the cross. Friends, it was his love for you. It was his love for you and for me. And so we are going to see over the next several weeks about his passion for humanity, about his love for every one of us. So Jesus loved us. This I know. The Bible tells me so. Some of you sang that all your childhood. Some of you still love that song because the simplicity of it is so much more than we could ever ask for. How many realize we did not deserve that love? We didn't deserve that love, but he loved us anyway. So for the next several weeks, what I want to do is I want to allow the opportunity for us to look at the word of God and see how we ourselves are affected by that love. You see, his love doesn't just infect us, it affects us. You know the difference, right? That infect is something that happens internal. Affect is something that happens externally. And so what happens is in many ways, his love has infected and affected all of our behavior. If you truly recognize the love that he has for you, it changes how you see and how you operate your daily walk with him. See, there's a new commandment he gave us in John 13. If you would, turn with me to John 13. And this is kind of like one of those base verses that if you, don't mem if you haven't memorized this, maybe you want to. Maybe you want to highlight this, underline it, star it, you know, do a little box around it on your, in your Bible. But this is huge, huge, huge. 
to the Christian world. So with, uh, if I could have some help with some, just a little bit of house lights so that those that are, don't, don't have their Bible lit like I do, I have a lit Bible. It's lit. Maybe you have a paper Bible. I have both. Just in case it's not lit, I can have this. Jesus loved others and he commanded us to do the same. In John 13, 34, he says something really interesting. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Here's, I want us to do something different. We don't typically do this, but I want you to do this with me. Look up at your screen because maybe you have a different Bible, but I want us to read it together. I want this, I want this to be read out loud together in unison as a body. Can we do that? There's something powerful that happens when we all read something together and understand it together. Are you ready? So I want you to read this with me. Ready? A new commandment I give to you that you love one another Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. It's simple, yet very difficult. How many ever try to love someone that's really unlovable? Come on, somebody. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't point at your friends. Come on, nobody doing that. You ever try to love somebody that's unlovable? It's not easy. But that's love. Love loves in spite of liking. So God said, love your neighbor. Doesn't mean you have to like them all the time. Come on, somebody. I love a lot of people that I stay away from. In fact, there's some people that you're able to love them because you, come on, somebody. (laughs) Yes. Lord Jesus, way over there. Love them because I can't. But, you know, we are to love everyone. That doesn't mean that we are supposed to be BFFs with everybody. Come on, somebody. Right? That doesn't mean that we have to see them every day, connect with them every single day. But love has to happen because you know what happens? If you don't love your neighbor when something terrible happens, you know what happens? The flesh acts up and says they deserve it. That's not spirit, friends. And that's not God. The passion of Jesus Christ was that he loved everyone regardless of their situation, regardless of their stance of God or whatnot. He loved them. What's the one thing he did when he was on the cross? What was one of the first things he said when he was on that cross as everyone looked up to him and he was held and nailed on that cross uh, with those nails and and the, the, the pain that was just ravaging his body, that pain. You know what he said? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Friends, you can't love like that unless it comes from the Father. People loving people is the enemy of everything that is evil. People loving people. Are you hearing me, church? That people deciding to love other people, that is the enemy of everything that is evil. So many problems can be solved if we just decided to love instead of hate. I'm tired of the church in general, Big C Church, not Freedom Life, but I'm tired of the church being remembered for things that we hate as opposed to the people that we love. 
A lot of people want to speak ill or bad about religion or the church. Can I tell you something? Look at orphanages. Look at uh, all these different humanitarian efforts. And guess how they're being led? They're being led largely by people of faith, by people that have an understanding that we were all created in the image of God. Say what you want about the church, say what you want about Christianity, say what you want about uh, all these things, but guess what? Large portion of the people that are changing the world have a tie to God, to Jesus, to the power of his body. And that's how we change the world. Something happens when people love people. Come on, say, I need to love people. Regardless of how they are. You see, even when Jesus walked this earth, there were people that hated him and he did everything right. What chance do we have for everybody to like us? Come on, bud, you're an awesome dude. But no matter how awesome we are, Jesus, the perfect one, they hated him even still. When all he did was feed thousands of people with fish and bread, fishy bread. He fed, he fed thousands of people with a little kid's lunch and still they hated him. He healed people that were not healable at the time. He loved people that were unlovable at the time. Why? Because people loving people is the enemy of all things that are evil. So what am I saying? What motivated Jesus's mission? What motivated Jesus to do what he did on this earth? Can I tell you what it was? It was the fact that the father's assignment was redemption. You're going to hear a little bit about this tonight, about our theme for 2022. You ready? About the father's business. Now let me tell you why that is, and you're going to hear more about that tonight. A few uh, months ago, right at, the, right at the crossover to 2022, God gave me a, a word, and I preached that, and that extended to a second week. It was supposed to be a one-week word, and it extended to a second week, and that has not left my heart since then about the Father's business, about the Father's business. No matter what I'm preaching every single week, every single week I'm sitting at my desk and I'm praying and as I'm preparing the message, I'm typing, I'm writing, scribbling, I'm putting together thoughts, scriptures, pulling scriptures out of here and and I'm putting this all together. Everything led to about the Father's business over and over again. And I said, God, I, I, I think I'm understanding what you're saying. Let me see if I got this right. You want us to be about the Father's business. I'm starting to get a sense that this is where we're going. It is. And it's the sense that everybody should be going. How many know that, that what we do as a church is not solely relying upon me preaching at you? Because some of you feel like I preach at you. Some of you feel like I preach with you. And some of you want to run away. And they're like... He just read my mail, and I don't know what Pastor Tony's doing, but I think he hacked my mind (laughs) somehow. No, I mean, the Holy Spirit knows exactly, right? The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're going through, and and there are times you walk into this room, and you hear a word, and God is like, I got you. I know what you're going through. I understand. 
That's not me. That's God understanding where you're at. And so we all need to find that place to be about the Father's business. Why? Because he didn't create you so you can just wander the earth aimlessly. He created you to be about the Father's business. John 3.16, maybe you have heard of it before. The New Living Translation said something interesting, and I love the way it worded it right in the front end of this. For this is how God loved the world. I like that beginning because I've always memorized it, for God so loved the world. How many have memorized it like that? Well, the New Living Translation kind of put it like this. For this is how God loved the world. And it kind of brought a, a slightly different perspective for me a little bit in saying, this is how God showed the world he loved them, that he gave his only son. And I remember uh, holding my, very, my firstborn, uh, Elijah, I remember holding him for the very first time after I got a chance to, after he got, you know, not so red, um, and, and, and they got him under the lamp and all this stuff, and they, they brought him out, and he's wrapped up. He looks like a little tiny uh, Puerto Rican burrito kind of thing, and <laughs> the beanie hat and the whole bit, right? They brought him over. And he's there, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is my son, right? This is my son, my firstborn, and, and I'm holding him, and, and then just tears streaming down my face and the responsibility. I'm like, they trust me with him? They trust me with him? The world am I supposed to do with this? Like, right? I'm like, I'm really glad Leisha's here. I'm really glad... <laughs> This is a two-person team because I'd be like, what do we give them? Steak? Get them some rice and beans. Get this kid some rice and... That's not, apparently, that's not what you're supposed to do that early in the process. But, but I remember holding Elijah, thinking to myself, this is my firstborn son. And I never in my wildest imagination would ever think about handing him over, handing his life over for someone on death row. Never. You ask me, give up your son so that someone on death row could be free. I'd be like, uh, you got, you're barking up the wrong tree, my man. I'm not giving my only son so that someone on death row who deserves to be there. Come on, somebody. But that's exactly the passion is. His love for you and for me. I can't wrap my mind around it. God gave his only son. And this is how God loved the world. This is how he showed it. This is how he's shown us all. And he gave his only son. So today I want us to focus on this verse for a moment. And the first thought I want to share with you, if you're taking notes, um, <clears throat> take notes. Number one, God so loved that he showed love. God so loved that he showed love. If you were to ask any Christian how to describe God, most of them would say, well, God is, um, he's love, and he is, and then you could start filling the blank. But no doubt somewhere God would say, people would say that God is love. It's simply scripture. God is love. And it's clear to see all throughout the Bible that God is love, he's compassion, he's care. But he's also just. So there has to be a sacrifice to forgive us of our sins. And so, in fact, 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love, right? But it also tells us that we were sinners in need of a savior. The Bible's really clear. 
right? The Bible has one corresponding theme through all of it. Bring them back. Bring them back. Throughout all of scripture, it's a redemption process. It's God trying to show that no matter how bad you are, his goodness overrides your badness. His righteousness overrides your unrighteousness. Your unholiness is overridden, I think it's a word, by his righteousness. God so loved that he showed love. He showed that love, that agape love for all of us. This agape love is one of four loves used in the Bible. And this agape love is an unconditional love. Of the four different words of love found in the Greek language, agape is the one that is fueled by him and not by anything that we do. You see, there's a lot of different types of love that people feel. You see someone, you remember that time that you saw your spouse for the first time or the first time you realized you're in love, you saw that person and butterflies, come on somebody, butterflies. Maybe they said something and you were like, ooh, now that is the woman I want to marry. She's an Eagles fan. Come on, somebody. She spoke my love language. Right? Or, or, or she sang a song somewhere and maybe, or, or, or did a dance. Come on, somebody. Or, or, or they, they did something where you were like, huh, I have an idea. <laughs> I know, me too. That's the way I felt. That's usually a response to something that they did. God's unconditional love has nothing to do with what you did. You realize that? His love for you and for me had nothing to do with anything we did. God showed love because he is love. God wants us to pass that love on to other people as well. Amen? So he's fueled by love. Love is a very important part of God's character and person. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. God is love. Okay. Number two, not only did God show love because he's so loved, but God is revealed by love. His person is revealed by love. If you're taking notes, I really love for you to take notes and write down John 13, 34. And I think we have this verse provided for you. John 13, 34. And it reads like this. So now I am giving you a commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So Jesus is throwing out commandments like, Important stuff. This is, this is good stuff right here. God is revealed by love. And not only his love for us, but God is revealed into other people's lives by the love we show others. God is revealed in us by love too. When you love someone that is unlovable, or you care for someone that you don't care for, God is love. The passion of God 
is now being shown through you. You see, it's a lot easier to allow God's love to shine to you. It's a lot more difficult when that translates through you. Because most all of us, if I was to tell you how many of you want to experience God's love, everybody would put their hands up, right? I want to experience God's love. But if I was to ask you how many of you think your life shows God's love, they might be a few less hands. Because A, we don't always do it, and B, we think low of ourselves, naturally. We always see the worst in ourselves sometimes when God sees a lot more than that. God sees us through the lens of the Father. We see ourselves as, man, I messed up again this week. I really, I quit smoking or I quit this or I quit that. I really want to be healthier. I really want to be this. And we look at ourselves, we go, man, I failed again. You know how God sees us? I love you just like you are. Let that fuel allow, transfer that fuel into opportunity to be better, to love better, to love unconditionally the way Jesus loved. And that's not easy. How many know that's not easy? Because Love, uh, someone once said this, love the people God gave you because he will need them back someday. <laughs> and when, he, when we have the chance to produce the gospel, hello, when we have the chance to share that we are believers, they're not going to look at us and go, you're a believer? What does that mean? That means we tainted the witness that God has called us to have. He'll need them back someday. What am I talking about? I'm talking about how in your life we are to show that example, right? But, but there's a lot of times that we look at ourselves and we go, ah, I failed again. I'm just, I'm just worthless. I'm just this. And we talk down to ourselves and we don't live the way God wants us to live. And so therefore we ruin our witness. And God is saying, I, I want to witness through you, but you don't even believe half the things you're saying. Some of us, we pray and we don't believe half the prayers we're praying because of how we view ourselves. God is saying, the Holy Spirit that I've put in you is going to work out the details. Trust me. And that's not easy to do, amen? amen. Trust me. I want to work through you. I want, I, you are not just loved by me, but your, the love that you can show others is fueled by me. It's his love for you that allows you to be as effective as you can be. Are you following what I'm saying? I hope I'm, I'm, I'm being clear here because I need us to all understand that when we, when we have the opportunity to present Jesus, I don't want anyone to say, uh, I can't follow any God you're following. Because when we have that opportunity to present Jesus, there should never be something that gets in the way. That's what I mean by handing them back one day. In other words, God gives us the opportunity to love people, love people. And then when we have the chance to share that love with somebody else, we want them to go, man, that's why you're different. That's why when we're at work and we're saying and doing some of the things we're doing, you're not participating. I always wondered why. That's why. Tell me more. You with me? So the question is, are you willing to sacrifice your schedule from time to time to love somebody that may need some time to be heard? 
Anybody ever needed to? I know I have. I'm going to be the first one to. How many ever needed to be heard once in a while? Right? Every once in a while, I need to be heard. I need to be, I need to have my own kind of like moment. And man, it hurts when you don't have that moment because you're holding it all in. Can I tell you something? God is love today. And my prayer is that this church will always be a church of people that can hear you, can, that can listen, that can love you right where you are. Not wish you were somewhere else in your spiritual walk and journey. There's some people that apologize. They're like, I'm sorry, I wish I was better uh, uh, this, or I wish I was better. Don't, don't apologize. You are where you are. Let's, let's grow together. Let's just not go together. Let's grow together. Let's follow Jesus together. I'm so excited because I've heard some great reports of people that are in life groups, uh, different groups and things. If you've not been part of a life group, there's four groups running right now. Four groups running right now, almost every day of the week, different days of the week. Some of them are here, whatnot. I encourage you to get, get yourself to be a part of a group. If you want to lead a group, see me after this uh, service here this morning and say, I'd like to look at being a life facilitator. Why? Because there's something that happens in community that can never happen on Sunday morning. I love you guys. I love seeing your faces every Sunday morning. And my, my heart gets excited to preach the word that God has given me. But there's some things that, that can't happen here that can happen in a life group. When people sharing life together. It just can't happen here. Some things can happen here. I, I watch some of you on Sunday morning. Some of you hang around a long time talking. And, I, and you know how I know that's important? You know how, why life groups are important? Because that happens every Sunday. People just hang out. Some of you are in the parking lot the minute, the minute I say amen. <laughs> I'm like, amen. You see smoke? Doors are bursting open. It's closing at this point. <laughs> but there's different groups that we have available through the week. Some of you are like, I have places to go, things to do. I get that. I get that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shouting you out in a negative way. I'm just saying there's something that happens in community that can't happen on Sunday morning. And you try to do it after service, it's, it's good, but it's not the same. I like to block out some time and sit down with some of you and just hear what is on your heart. Hear what is happening. That's kind of difficult to do it on a Sunday, right? So honestly, the sacrifice of Jesus and his love for us was very, very important. So let me say this. The difficult reality is that love... Love is when the other person's happiness is more important than your own. Can, can I say that again? Love is when the other person's happiness is more important than your own. That doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be happy. Are you hearing me? Please don't say, I went to church this morning and it was good until Pastor Tony said I'm not allowed to be happy. <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear the rest of this series. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to you that love is, is in its purest form. Love is in its purest form when we care for someone above our own for a few moments. Amen? I'm reminded of a story that you may have read in Scripture, and, I, and because of the sake of time, I won't go into too much of it, but, but here's, here's what happened. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to read it. Let me just outright read it. Matthew 21, listen closely. Now listen to another story. A certain landowner planted, excuse me, a certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, 
dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned the other. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him. But the results were the same. Verse 37 of chapter 21. Finally, the owner sent his son thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw that the son was coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to the estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asks, what do you think he will do with the farmers? The religious leaders replied, he will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked him, didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see Psalm 118. You realize something? Throughout human history, God has been sending people to deliver his message of salvation and restoration. Here in the story, the landowner in the parable is God. The vineyard is his people. The landowners, the servants are the prophets. But who are the farmers? Listen, they are the ones who think they have it all together. The ones who think they are without sin. Friends, listen, how often do we slip into a similar situation where we think, I've got it all figured out. God, I just want all your blessings and none of the responsibilities. These wicked, these wicked individuals, these wicked uh, farmers, they, they came to a place where they thought they can overpower the landowner. But I tell you, the landowner is coming back again. He's coming back again. He gave his son, and many people rejected him, and some laid him on the cross. And God sent Jesus to save us, and yet, what did we do with that? Jesus is the gift that we needed and we need today. Come on, somebody. But, but we, we oftentimes have tried to learn how to live without any accountability. But every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day. Can I tell you something? He loves us. The landowner loves us. And he's given us a chance to be a part of something great. But when we don't give the landowner what's his, he will claim it. In his way. And guess what? His way is a lot harder than our way. Hello? His way is a lot harder than our way. So the third thought is simply this. God's love sustains grace. Now what is that word sustain? God's love sustains grace. The word sustain means to strengthen or support. So God's love supports grace. What am I talking about? That every single one of us in this room have been shown grace in our lives. Every single last one of us. What am I talking about? I'm talking about none of us deserve salvation. None of us are good enough. None of us are worthy of salvation. But because of his love for us, but because of his grace, we have been offered that love. So what does all this mean? We already read in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you. 
So what happens when someone hurts you? I remember when I was a kid, uh, when I would do well in school, my mom would reward me with something that I loved or something that I really uh, wanted. And I had, over the years, collected jewelry. My, my mom was a jewelry person, and I became a jewelry person. And I wanted, I remember I, I wanted my name plate. Remember, remember, remember name plates? Her name plate. It's not as not some people don't do it anymore, but that, that was that was me. I was a kid, right? And I, and I wanted my name plate. I wanted my name on the chain, and the, you know what I'm talking about, the name plate. And so I said, I want it, Mom. I, this is what I want, and this is what I want. And I worked hard in school, and sometimes, and um, I needed to throw that. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna lie. But that incentive, I got a chain, and then down the line, I worked my way to get a, a, a bracelet, right? A, cha- a gold bracelet and then and then at one point uh my mom got me a ring with my name on it and every single time if I did really well she would put she would add a little the jewel would add another little diamond on that ring and I was like ooh get a little bling on my bling come on somebody bling on your bling right it's a true story it's a true story true story I grew up in the 90s man and name plates and all that stuff that was the way it went Every single time I got A's, I, if, I, if I did well in class, I would get a little diamond on my... One night I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, and I looked over at my dresser where I always put my chain, my bracelet, my ring, and all this stuff. And it was gone. All of it. All of it gone. And I knew that I knew I put it there. Because I put it there every night. I had a family member in the house that was, had a drug issue. Substance abuse was a very big thing at the time within my family, and that person took it, sold it to support their habit. Years, years of working, gone. Because of a habit. Now, I, it took me some time to forgive that moment. But can I tell you something? I forgave because there are things that are bigger than possessions. Amen. Right? Amen. But it doesn't change the fact that I was really deeply hurt by that. How do you forgive when someone hurt you that's supposed to be protecting you? watching over you. In the same way, I ask you, how many times have you been hurt that you needed to forgive? See, culture teaches us to cancel. Jesus calls us to reconcile. And Matthew tells us, as Peter came to him, (laughs) Peter said to him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, 70 times, seven times. Another way to say this is forgive, 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 and when you're all said and done, forgive more. Why? Not because it makes them right or justifies them, but it sets you free from having to live a certain way in your mind. See, the culture wants to tell us hate, cancel, 
Knock everybody out that, 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 that's, in, that's in your path. If they don't agree with you, if they don't, Jesus says reconcile because there are things that are more important. So what does that have to do with anything? I had to show grace in a way that was very difficult for me to do. I know how much work I put into to get those rewards. See, as, many, as with many other things, the kingdom of heaven sounds upside down. I'm supposed to keep forgiving people? I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Like God is just, so he's going he's gonna to revenge. He's going to revenge me or revenge the whole situation. And I'm sorry, but God is not a revenger of every single thing I deem important. He wants to protect you from the things that oftentimes can be a bigger stumbling block. Listen, I don't believe at all that everything that happens is God's fault. I don't believe that. I believe man makes decisions, and some of them are really bad decisions. He didn't want that to happen. But here's what I also believe, that that grace he has shown you he wants to show others too. And can I tell you something? Not only was that relationship reconciled, but great things happened in years following that. So I will tell you this. God loves even when it's un- unreciprocated. <laughs> God loves when you're nasty, rude, and mean. And God loves when he's not getting anything out of the relationship. Why? That's agape love, my friends. He's fueled by love for you and for me. So here's what I'm going to ask you today. This love that I'm talking about on this first week of this passion series, fueled by love. I'm going to ask you a question, and here's the question. Are you ready? What fuels you? Now, I know some of you are thinking maybe last week I talked about being driven, right? It kind of parallels that a little bit. But what fuels the love that you have for God? You know what should always fuel us toward God? Is that while we were still sinners, he loved us. So no matter what happens, how people treat us and how people mistreat us, his love for us has to be able to supersede that. Regardless of how vicious they were toward you, how wrong they were about you. They said some things, they said some things they should not have said. I get it. I've been there. As a pastor, believe it or not, there's some people that just don't like me just because I have the word pastor in front of my name. It's not on my birth certificate, but they think it is. It's just the mantle God has given me at this time. But in one way, shape, or form, there's some people that decided on you a long time ago, even without knowing you. How are you going to handle that? My prayer is that you'll be fueled by love too and realize they just don't know. (laughs) Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And for some people, what they say or how they act, right? We're not responsible for how other people act. We're responsible for how we react. And what fuels you? My prayer is that the love of God will fuel you. And if you have something wrong with someone and you know it in your heart, Can I ask you to think about this this week? And as soon as you can possibly do it, pick up the phone and reconcile. It'll do your heart good.
That doesn't mean you have to be their BFF. That doesn't mean you have to, you have, to have them over for dinner. That, no, that just means you pick up the phone and you say, I'm done with having angst with you. We've had our differences. We've had our difficulties. But I want you to know, I'm not going to hold anything toward you. Will you forgive me? And be that, be that person that's willing to say, will you forgive me? That's up here, man. And for some of you, like, I don't know if I can get there yet. Well, we'll be talking about love the next several weeks. And my prayer is that the Lord will give you the strength to do it. Amen? So here's what I'm going to ask. Do you know this Jesus I'm talking about? Real simply, do you know this Jesus I'm talking about? Because if you don't, you can't be fueled by a love you don't even know yourself. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room to bow their heads for just a brief moment. And if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Tony, I want to know this love, take a good look at your heart. You know yourself. You know where you are. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just shoot your hand up for three seconds and put it right back down. I don't know this Jesus the way I should. I don't know this Jesus the way I should. Come on. If there's one in the room, I would love to know. I don't know this Jesus the way I should. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyone. Man, this is the moment I've been praying for this week. Not just to preach to you, but to be able to share with you the opportunity to accept Jesus. Anyone. Last call before I pray. Hallelujah. He was fueled by love for you. That's what held him on the cross. Stand with me all across this room, would you? God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you and for me. My prayer is that you would receive that love today. I hope you heard what I said this morning and take it take it a step further act on that this morning that you too will be fueled by his love amen amen father may our lives be fueled by your love just as you were fueled by love to die for us may my life be a reflection of that love helping others see the goodness of God Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. May we also walk in the power, the fear, and the love of God all the days of our life. Lord, as we look at this passion series, we realize you loved us so much. I never deserved it, but we're grateful today. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And I thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. I wanted to let you know something. That in the foyer we've provided something that we're going to be highlighting in the next couple of weeks. Um, we have put out there, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a thing that says invite someone to church. It's an invite station with cards. We invite you to take that and share with somebody invite them them to come be a part of any one of these weeks because every week I'm going to be sharing about God's love. How many know that the world needs more love than anything else in this world right now? Is that right?